Hey everybody, it's Brian Karras. Uh, I'm standing out here in the American Legion Hall in Parma uh, in front of this giant tank. Uh, I actually grew up a few blocks away from here and I remember pretty clearly as a kid walking past this tank on the way to school and pretty frequently playing on top of this tank with friends as kids. It's always kind of an odd memorial, just this giant tank just a few blocks away from my parents' house. The tank was a, a, an important breakthrough in military history. It was, a, it was a huge innovation for technology. The ability to move your soldiers onto the field protected behind armor. I, can, I can't really imagine what it felt like for these guys, but I'm sure that they felt a, a greater measure of security behind a few inches of steel than just charging onto an open battlefield into enemy fire. So as we read through the Bible, we clearly see that each of us live our lives on a battlefield as well. But the thing is, the battle that we're engaged with is not a physical one. It's not something that takes place in the material world. It's not about tanks and guns, and it's not about an enemy of, of people or a group or a nation. So we're glad you're with us for this series. And as we look into what it means for us to be armored with the armor of God, Let's remember that our fight is not against anyone. It's not against other people. It's not against other populations or kingdoms. But our fight really is against the actual enemy. But our weapons are more powerful. What God has given us are the tools for victory in the actual eternal battle that we're all facing. So let's open God's word together. We're glad you're here. Good morning, CBC. It's good to see you guys. Well, we are starting a new series for five weeks called Armored. And just as Brian was talking about, we're going to be looking at uh, the protective armor and other weaponry that God has provided for us in this thing we call spiritual warfare. Uh, it was neat. A couple weeks ago, uh, my wife and I were able to join some new Ohio friends downtown. We went to dinner and then went out to a play, and uh, we saw a guy do uh, screw tape letters. And if you're not familiar with screw tape letters, it's a writing by C.S. Lewis where it's a fictional story of a demon mentoring another demon and how to demise the downfall of a person. Very insightful book. In fact, if you haven't read it or you haven't read it in a long time, in light of us going through the series, I encourage you to dust off that book and uh, read it. It'll really apply and be a neat supplement to our time together as we're going through this time. In, in the book, C.S. Lewis in the introduction says something. It's, it's very interesting. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. And this is a very true statement, I think. And I don't know about you and where you're at in your spiritual journey, but I know for me, there was a time when I didn't understand God. I, I didn't understand uh, the devil, whether he was even real or not. Uh, I, I didn't understand spiritual warfare. In fact, I'd prob probably be like one of two six-year-olds that were debating about the, the existence of the devil. These two six-year-olds were talking, and, and one of them said, well, there's no such thing as the devil. And uh, the other said, of course there's a such thing as the devil. The Bible talks all about it. And the other kid's like, well, no, it's just like Santa Claus. One day you wake up and just realize it was your dad the whole time. <laughs> I don't know if I would have gone that far into <laughs> seeing it that way. But I definitely had uh, an ignorance to this. But you know what? Praise God, because he, he drew me close to himself and I opened up my eyes, my ears, my heart. And through the power of his word and through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the faithful work of servants of his, I uh, was able to have my eyes open to the spiritual war 
and that God is real and the devil is real and this battle that's fought in the heavenlies and, and a lot of what we see fought in the heavenlies is manifested here as we see conflict all over the world and conflict in the lives of our family and conflict at work and conflict at home and the struggles within, all definitely tied to the spiritual war that's fought all the time without ceasing until one day. Until we're waiting to that day, we need to understand uh, more about spiritual warfare. And I think uh, the, the whole thing is finding a balance because there's, there's really two extreme camps when it comes to spiritual warfare. Uh, one is complete ignorance and neglect. Just, you know, devil, what devil? There's no devil, all that kind of stuff. The other is really an unhealthy, superstitious fixation um, on the devil and demonic stuff. It's kind of like, hey... My toaster burnt my bagel this morning, so there's the demon of bagel burning in my toaster, and I'm going to do an exorcism on my toaster to, you know, cast out the demon of bagel burning. You know, it's like there's these unhealthy extremes, and we have to find balance. And in order to, to do that, we just have to get into God's Word. Everything we hear and think about and everything that's thrown at us for an understanding of spiritual things has to be anchored to God's Word. So our guide as we go through this series will be Ephesians chapter 6, and so I encourage you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, we'll provide the verses for you this morning in your bulletin or on the screens, but again, get a Bible. Uh, it's part of your armament, as you'll find out in a couple weeks. There's Bibles out in that info area on your way out. Grab one. Keep it. It's a gift for you from us. And we're going to find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. We're going to do a little recon here uh, in God's Word, starting with verse 10, going through verse 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Lord, Heavenly Father, as we unfold the pages of your word this morning, and God, even as we get the image of the Apostle Paul in prison, chained possibly to a Roman soldier, his mind was drifting to the spiritual war. And God, you gave us instructions through him about our attitude and our equipping for the war. And so God, I pray that not just in the next several weeks, but God, at all times, you help us wherever we're at in our spiritual journey to understand you, understand what you've provided to be able to fight the spiritual war. And God, that we may draw close to you and know you more and know who we are in you because of what we see in the pages of your word. That's our heart and prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to focus right now this morning just a little bit on verses 10 and 11. Okay, we're just going to look at 10 and 11 again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
And we're just going to unpack that a little bit this morning and lay a foundation as we move forward in the next month in, in this whole series. And anytime we think about war and conflict, it's very natural for us to think back about the great commanders that we know about all through the pages of our history. Uh, guys like Attila the Hun, Genghis Khan, Richard the Lionheart, Napoleon, Alexander the Great, uh, Robert E. Lee, Ulysses S. Grant, George Washington, Adolf Hitler, General MacArthur, and on and on and on. We have this list of commanders that scatter across the pages of our history books. So it would make a lot of sense that to start this series, we need to look at the commanders in the spiritual war. Now it's very clear, it's the devil and God. And we can identify easily the commanders, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we have a very good understanding of the commanders, who they really are, what they're really capable of. And unfortunately, most people buy into some myths and some misunderstandings about these commanders, God and the devil. And and as we're about to see, one of the great misunderstandings is that we're dealing with two equal forces that oppose one another. You know, the yin and the yang, and you know, the the, the empire and the the force, and you know, God's Obi-Wan and the devil's Darth Vader, or whatever, you know. And and there's this, this, this equal opposing forces, and it couldn't be further from the truth. We have extremely lopsided forces that we're dealing with here. And so as we unpack this and look at the commanders this morning, let's get a better understanding of who they really are. And so we're going to start off the series by looking at seven of the differences between uh, the devil and God, just as a little foundation. Each one of these points, by the way, is like a sermon in itself. So we're just going to abbreviate that and condense it and just hit on seven of the major differences. The first one is this. God is the eternal creator, and the devil is a created being. God's eternal He's the creator. He's existed. And and, and that's hard for our finite minds to totally understand. But that's the way it is. And here's a few verses. I'm going to warn you now. We're going in hot. There's going to be a lot of verses thrown at you this morning. Um, Isaiah 40, 28. And these will be on the screen. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He's everlasting. He's eternal. He's creator. Isaiah 57, 15, For thus says the one who's high, lifted up, who inhabits eternity. God doesn't wear a watch. You know what I'm saying? He's eternal. He inhabits eternity. Past, present, future. Revelation 1, 8, God identifies himself. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of the alphabet, right? Says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty Revelation 22, 13, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. God in the beginning, God in the end, God everywhere, God is eternal, and he's the creator. He created everything. On the other hand, the devil is a created angelic being who got an attitude, who got pride, and had consequences for it. Uh, we get a couple glimpses of a little bit of history. If we peel back the, the realm a little bit and look a little bit about the devil, here's a couple key verses for us to understand. In Ezekiel 28, 12 through 15, this is on the screen, we get a little bit of insight to, to who the devil is and who he was. You were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and every precious stone was your covering. Then there's a list of precious stones in Scripture. On that day, you were created, you were prepared. Uh, you, were on, you were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire, you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created 
till unrighteousness was unfound in you. And so again, he was created. He's a created angelic being until unrighteousness was found in him. Well, what was the unrighteousness? We get a glimpse of that in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought low, down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. And so we, we, we realize right off the bat that we are dealing with the creator, eternal God, and a rebellious angel who was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be God. He looked at God on his throne and said, that's a nice looking chair. I want that. I want to sit in that chair. I mean, for me, that's like a kid coming home. Parents, imagine this. Your your 10-year-old comes home one day, dads, and says, dad, this is my house. I'm going to start running things my way. In fact, dad, go take out the trash. (laughs) We'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) Be showing you who's the dad of this house, you know? That's, that's what we're dealing with here. God's creator. He's God. He's eternal. And we've got this rebellious angel trying to be like him. They're not equal. The second major difference is, is that the God is holy and the devil is wicked. I, I, I know that's probably new news to you, right? <laughs> God's holy. The devil's wicked. We don't have to go much further than the very names to really see this nature. Uh, we, we look at God. Think about the names we have for God and the names we see in Scripture. Father. King, Lord, Lord of hosts, Almighty God, Shepherd, King, Messiah, Savior, I am the Holy One. Clearly God is holy. He's good. Uh, So many scriptures on that, just a couple that jump out. Psalm 99.5, exalt the Lord our God, worship at his footstool, holy is he. He's pure, he's sinless, he's perfect, he's holy. He's good. Psalm 119.68, you are good and you do good, says the writer about God. But then we have the devil, and he's wicked. Let's, let's look at his names. It identifies his wickedness. First, the most common name for the devil is Satan, right? Like that's new news to you. But that is the most common name. Even his very name, Satan means adversary. And that, his name is Adversary. How would you like that? How would you like your parents? Hey, look, we have a kid. What should we name him? Let's call him Adversary. You know, it's like, let's call our kid Enemy. And that's what's going on here. The, the, the devil, his name, Satan, means Adversary. Now, the devil is more of a title. It's kind of more like, you know, what he does. In the title, the devil means the accuser. He's our adversary who accuses. It's like he likes to lay the trap. Then we choose to step in the trap, and then he goes, oh, look at you, you step in the trap. You know, you're this, you're that, and he accuses us. Every time your mind is flooded with those thoughts of why God doesn't love you, and why God shouldn't love you, and how you're not forgiven, and how maybe you're not saved, and all this and all that, that's the accuser. He's just doing what he does. He wakes up in the morning and goes, what should I do today? I don't know, I'll accuse everybody of everything. I mean, that's just what he does. He's the accuser, the devil. All the other, Some of the other names we see in Scripture for him, tempter, liar, serpent, the father of lies, dragon, angel of light. And we go back to Ezekiel. I mean, we're not talking about an ugly creature, right? His works are very ugly, but he looks beautiful. He's not just going to show up in our lives and just some gross manifestation. Look, I'm gross and ugly. I'm the devil. I'm here to wreck your life, you know? 
He's going to sneak in. He's going to look beautiful. He's going to look harmless. He's going to look innocent. It's going to be subversive. It's like, you know, the fish in the little fishing room water. Ooh, that looks nice until you bite it and there's a hook in it, you know? That's the devil. He disguised himself as an angel of light. Lucifer, that means light bearer from Isaiah 14. This is our enemy. You know, Revelation 12.9 kind of packages a lot of his names in one. It says, and the great dragon was thrown down. That ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So as we continue to identify these two commanders, man, one's creator, one's created. One's holy, one's wicked. The third major difference, God is omnipresent and the devil is not. Omnipresent, meaning all present, everywhere at once. The next three points are where we find a lot of the most misunderstandings about the devil. A lot of people go there with God, but too many people go there with the devil. God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at once. You cannot play hide-and-seek with God, right? Some of us have tried. We know it's pretty futile. It's like playing hide-and-seek with a little kid. They hide behind a chair that you can see him. You know, it's like, where are you? You know? And, and David even said that in, in, uh, in Psalm 139.7. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? We see in Jeremiah 23, 24, can a, man, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. And I think this is just, it blows our minds because we're here in Cleveland, Ohio, worshiping the Lord. And somewhere else on the other side of the globe is another believer or group of believers worshiping the Lord. And God's presence is here with us as we worship. And God's presence is there with them as they worship. God is everywhere at once. But this is not true of the devil. He wants you to think that. But because he's an angelic being with limitations, he's not God. He can't be everywhere at once. Now, he has angelic abilities, so he might be able to get around faster and be at different places at different times, but he can only inhabit one place at a time. Now, he's a great you know, general. He's a great you know, strategist. He's got his little minions all over the world doing his beckoning, but he doesn't have the ability that God has to be everywhere and to inhabit everything. He just has well-placed you know, workers, basically. And so that just punches a hole in that. The whole lame excuse of the devil made me do it. I mean, how can the devil... For one, the devil can't make you do anything. He can give you a great idea, but he can't make you follow up on it. For that, that's one. Two, how can he, you know, subject an idea to someone here in America, and at the same time, he's subjecting that same idea to someone in Asia? He can't be everywhere at once, okay? And so we have to understand that. The fourth major difference between God and the devil is that God is omniscient, all-knowing, and the devil is not. God knows all things from all times, right? His knowledge is unlimited, it's infinite, and it's eternal. He knows everything. Psalm 139, 1-4 captures this well. As the writer saying, Oh Lord, you've searched me, you know me, you know when I sit down, you know when I rise, you discern my thoughts from afar, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. God is all-knowing. He, he knows everything, past, present, future. Okay, that thought, he knew you were going to have that. Oh, wait, that thought, he knew you were going to have that too. He knows what you're going to think in five minutes, ten minutes. He knows what you're going to do. And not only does he know what you're going to do and what you're going to think, he knows that for everybody. 
And not just the billions of people now, but he's known that for everybody in the past, now, and in the future. He's God. He's all-knowing. The devil is not. God can read your mind. He knows your thoughts. He can you know, know them from afar. But at the same time, the devil can't. But he wants you to think that he can. That's why when you're having moments of struggle with temptation or whatever, and inside you're whispering to your mind, you know, devil, leave me alone. He can't hear you. He can't read your mind. That's only something God can do. Now, he's a good counselor, if you will. Some of you know people that have incredible skills of discernment. There may be counselors, or some of you have good, good discerning abilities where you can look at someone and, and look at the expression on their face and know what they're thinking in a sense. You can kind of read a person. The devil can read us. We're not that hard to read, you know? And that gives him an idea of how to lay out traps of temptation throughout the world. But he can't get inside our mind. He can't get inside the heart. He has to try to read it to do his work. But he wants us to think he's all-knowing like God. He's not all-knowing like God. Only God knows everyone's thoughts and knows everything. Now, the devil has an incredible history. He, he is a supernatural being. So he, he's got from, from before creation to now to all this historical backdrop for him to do his work. But he's not the eternal God. He's not God. He's not equal. He's not omniscient. And, fifthly, he's not omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omnipotent. The devil is not. God has no limitation in his power. The devil does have limitation. He can't do anything without asking permission first. He can't do anything that God doesn't want him to do. This struggle between God and the devil isn't like God's going, Oh, how did he do that? Oh, I didn't see that coming. He knows what his little rebellious creation is up to. And he allows him to do some things. And we struggle with that. We'll talk about that in a second. But we have to understand that only God is omnipotent. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, it is you who've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And God kind of echoes that in Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? No. Luke 137, for nothing is impossible with God. We just have to continue to drive this point home because it's so foundational as we operate in this understanding of spiritual warfare that the devil does not have the same nature, does not have the same ability as God. He's limited. He's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not everywhere at once. Now, Here's the danger. That doesn't mean that we should ignore the devil. See, that's where we make a mistake too. So we want to walk that fine line. We don't want to give the devil too much credit, but we also don't want to underestimate him. Okay? Uh, one of the verses that really helps us understand that is 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, be sober-minded. Some, some versions say, be alert. Be watchful. Your adversary, his name, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Uh, several years ago, it was at South Africa, and some of you have had a chance to be up close to lions. Um, all my experiences with the lion at that point had been like at the zoo, where like, you know, you're over here and there's like this ravine, 
and you're behind like iron bars and you know, there's a lion way over there and you get your binoculars out and you can find them, you know, that kind of stuff. This was Africa where like lions are like cats. They just roam around the neighborhood, you know. And so we were at this like lion refuge thing and I was with a group of students and uh, we came up to the lion area and I kid you not, it felt like a little pole stuck in the ground with chicken wire. I'm like wiggling the pole going, this isn't going to help, you know. And there was a little group of lions over there, and there was like the king. There was the man of the house. He was over there on this little mound, and he was kind of looking at us. And I'm with some kids, and, and, and we're looking at this lion, and I'm just looking at this guy. And one of my kids is like, hey. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> Cut that out. That lion didn't like that. He kind of got up, stretched himself, started walking toward the fence. I'm like, okay, okay, here we go, here we go. And this lion, it was a fascinating creature, fascinating moment. And he, I, I swear, he locked onto me for whatever reason, you know, because I guess I was the biggest one out of the group. He locked onto me with those amber eyes. And he's and he just locked eyes, and he just walked side to side. Started doing this. I'm like, huh, this doesn't feel so comfortable. This is chicken wire. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this, this rumble, this growl, this just, I, I've never heard anything like it since this roar. I was like, oh, we're going to the van, you know. <laughs> the devil's a lion. And he prowls. He's got teeth. But he's a lion on a leash. He's a lion on a leash. And you have to understand who you are in Christ. You have to understand God and his power to understand where the leash is and where you don't need to be afraid. We don't underestimate. We don't ignore the devil. We have a healthy respect for the damage he can inflict. But we don't want to give him too much credit at the same time. Sixth major difference between God and the devil. God brings life and light. The devil brings death and destruction. Kind of packaged in one verse very well, John 10.10, when Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. There's the devil's agenda right there. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Pretty obvious agendas right there. Jesus says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. God wants us to have life and good life and a life that's pleasing to him. We get confused. We think that God exists to bring our life goodness instead of God is good and our life exists to bring him glory. Right? And this right here is probably the rub in the road. This is where it is most confusing to us. We go, wait a second. The devil's agenda is clear. Evil, wicked, death, destruction, damage, devour. Any other D word that comes to your mind, you know? God's agenda, life, light, redemption, health, healing, power. And then we fall back. Then why does bad stuff happen? You ever those moments where you just go, you know, if I could ask God any question, what would it be? I think for years, the, the same question has really been on my mind. And even though I understand all this stuff, I just want to say, God, why did you make the devil's leash so long? Why let him inflict damage? Why is there pain and suffering? You know, well, I think we struggle with that. Because on one hand, we, we want freedom. Because you can't freely love a being like God unless you have the choice to love him. At the same time, we don't want the effects of free will, the evil and the, you know, the hurt and the pain and, and, and the damage of a fallen world where sin entered and now death and disease and you know, evil thoughts just run rampant. And if we're not careful, we stop trusting God when things get uncomfortable or painful. This is the best way I know how to explain it. 
And for those of you who are parents, you can understand this. There came a time when I needed to take my kids to get their first set of shots. And it was a very difficult moment because, you know, you're sitting on this chair, you've got your kid on your lap, and the doctor's getting ready to get the shots, and the kids, they're intuitive little creatures. You know what I'm saying? If you're a doctor, a medical professional in the room, you can put your white jacket on, and you can put your little clown ears on, a little fuzzy butterfly or whatever, and you can call the syringe a little dragonfly or butterfly that wants to come and give you a kiss of your juice or whatever. You know, you can get, at some point in time, the kid goes, uh-huh, I see what's going on here. <laughs> you can really stab them with a needle, you know? And it's hard because that child by that age has learned that you are mom and that you are dad and you protect them. And they're to turn to you for comfort and help. And all of a sudden they feel insecure and vulnerable and something doesn't feel right. And they look to you like, are you going to let this happen? And the most hard moment is as, as they're feeling this insecurity, they start to feel you constrict around them because you've got to hold them so they wiggle off your lap. And you've got to hold them tight while the doctor is giving you know, one, two, three injections, and you start to see your kid cry, like not like, uh, like cry to the point that sometimes no, no, no sound comes out, like, you know, and you're just like, and then they look at you with these giant crocodile tears running down their face, and they're looking at you like, how could you? How could you let that person hurt me? This hurts. And it's hard right there because in that moment, they do not have the ability to understand that if we didn't allow this temporary pain, it could hurt them so much worse later if they get sick. It could take their life. And so we have to hold them and just, just hold them until the pain goes away and rub them and say, I know, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. Trust me, this is, this is going to be good for you. And when tough stuff happens in our life and we see the effects of the devil running rampant, there's a place where we are conflicted. We have to come to a place where we go, God, I don't know why you're allowing this pain in my life. But we have to trust him in faith as he's holding us. And I know it hurts, but I've got eternity in my scope of vision, and you don't. I've got not just life on earth, but life in eternity in my scope of vision, and all you see is this little moment in time. And this is where we struggle in the battlefield. We've got to trust God. But we have to know that he brings life and light, and the devil brings destruction. Seventh major difference between God and the devil, and this is glorious news, God has already won the war, and the devil has lost. That's the best part. Now, we got to play our roles, and we have to fulfill, you know, there's battles and skirmishes till the end of the war. And we got to fight the battles and skirmishes, and we, we see the effects all over the world today, and our families, and everything, and, and Pastor Rick will be talking a little bit more about that next week. But, but when we understand spiritual warfare correctly, it's like going to a movie when you've already read the book, and you know the ending. You can watch the movie, but you know how it ends. We have read the book, hopefully. You know how it ends. God wins. So now it's just our responsibility to be good soldiers of Christ, fulfilling our responsibility in the spiritual war. Jesus beat the devil with a big stick. Some of you have heard that. Okay? And that big stick was called the cross. We look at some of the verses that remind us of that. Colossians 2.15, speaking about Jesus. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. Okay? Hebrews 2.14, speaking of Jesus again, through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. 1 John 3.8, 
The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. John 16, 11, because the ruler of this world is judged. The devil's destiny is determined. Last night, we got a question in our up-close format. And the question was, why doesn't God just stop or destroy the devil? This is where I want to say a statement that I learned a long time ago that helps me. Delayed doesn't mean denied. God has taken care of the devil. His destiny is determined. Just because we see a delay in that coming to pass doesn't mean it's been denied. It's happening. We have to understand that. And I love how Jesus puts it in Revelation 1.18. He says, I died, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. See, the devil, his go-to, his number one was like, I want to impose fear on all of you. I want you to be afraid of death. I want you to think that death is the worst thing that can happen to you and to your loved ones. I've got the keys. And Jesus died on the cross, took the keys, rose from the grave, and says, I've got the keys of death. Neener, neener. (laughs) And the victory has been won. And if we understand that, it gives us the strength and the power to live for the Lord. And that's where we come back to these very two verses. And we understand now, when we understand the commanders, we understand, finally be strong in the Lord. We don't have anything in ourselves. Our armor is like, you know, toilet paper or aluminum foil, you know? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Pastor Rick will talk a little bit more next week about the schemes. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about the specific pieces of armor that God's provided. But we have to start now going, wait, commanders, God, the devil, they're not the same. They're not equal by any means, even though the devil wants you to think that. And we look at that and say, we are called to stand in the strength of the Lord and his might. Put on his armor to face the schemes of the devil. So here's the take-home. Here's the thing. We want to land this plane on this point. This is so important. This is like your guiding light as we go through this series and beyond. When we think about spiritual warfare, we don't want to focus on the devil. We want to focus on God's supremacy, not the devil's schemes. People spend too much time and energy. Well, what's the devil up to? And the devil's doing this, and the devil's doing that, and they're talking about the devil, and the devil this, and the devil's getting lots of headline news, and the devil this, the devil that. Who are we focusing on? We're focusing on the devil. We gotta shift gears here. You know, yeah, the devil this, but check it out. God's in charge. He's sovereign. He's supreme. He's this, the devil's not. He's that, the devil's not. We gotta focus on God's supremacy, not the devil's schemes. We can talk about the devil all we want. That's futile. We gotta call upon God. So here's some take-home for us. As we're sitting here and listening, there's several options for you. Now, you might be here this morning, and you're not a follower of Christ yet. You're just checking out church. You're checking out God. Here's the temptation for you if you haven't given your life to Christ yet. You might be thinking, okay, got it. Battlefield, God on one side, devil on the other. I'm in the middle trying to choose. Wrong. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. So in reality, there's a battlefield, and God's on one side, but you are behind enemy lines, unarmed vulnerable, and you just don't know it. And this morning, a blindfold has been removed for you, and you realize, I'm behind enemy lines because I'm not for Jesus. And so it makes sense that the thing that you would want to do is say, wait, I'm subconsciously, accidentally following the wrong commander. This morning, you've got to switch sides if, if that's where you're at in your life right now and follow God. And so here's, here's a couple options for you. Uh, you can mark this box. There's a prayer there on the back of your bulletin that you can just... 
you and God sit down, and you can just say, God, I give you my life, and you can mark this box letting us know, hey, I'm giving my life to Christ. What's the next step? I need some coaching. I need some backup, and we want to help you with that. Or you can mark that box, and right after the last song, we'll have some friends up here that you can bring it up and say, look, I need Jesus in my life. I didn't realize this war is going on. I'm on the wrong side. What do I need to do to have this relationship with Christ? And they'd love to share with you and pray with you how that can happen. So that might be one thing. Another thing, you get baptized. Baptism is just identifying with your commander. It's declaring which side you're on. Okay? Say, hey, I'm on God's side. I want everybody to know it. I'm getting baptized. We've got movies after movies after movies of these incredible lone soldiers. They're on the battlefield against thousands, and they, they, they defeat everybody. Makes a great movie. Terrible reality, you know? You've got to be together in community. You've got to fight the spiritual war in a unit. You've got to have people that you can pray for you, pray over you, remind you of God's truth. So you need community. If you're not in a community group, man, you mark that box and say, I, I need to get with some other believers so I have some, some backup. You can mark that box. There's a community connect out there. As you walk out, say, I'm a lone soldier. I need to get with a unit and, and get some community. Or maybe that last box really resonates with you. Man, I'm a follower of Christ. And I've either had an inaccurate view of spiritual war and the commanders, or I've been living in fear of the devil. But starting today, I'll now align my life and my decisions to a more biblical view, especially by focusing on God's supremacy, not the devil's schemes. And there may be other boxes, if you will, there that God's speaking to your heart. Just be obedient to follow. It's a war. We're tempted to go through life thinking that life's a playground. Life's a battleground. And we got to get busy being armored in what God's provided, taking back souls that don't know that they're behind enemy lines. That's God's call. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for its power. God, thank you for penetrating our hearts with it. And God, I pray for every person in this room, whether they're a believer that's been walking with you for years, intimately and passionately, and they're engaged in war, God, just gird them up and reinforce their strength, God. Let them trust in your power and your might. Lord, all the way to the person who's here, who maybe they don't have that relationship with you and they get it this morning. God, give them the courage and the boldness to initiate that relationship with you, Lord, in their life. God, you're an awesome God, and you've won the war. God, help us to understand how to fight the little skirmishes in between now and then as we see victory in eternity. God, we look forward to the next four weeks. We pray that you will protect us. You'll give us alertness, Lord, that we will understand accurately who you are and who the devil isn't, and yet who the devil is at the same time. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. amen.